Good evening, guys. Uh, first, I want to welcome uh, Zane and Zeke for the first time being here with us. So welcome, guys. We're glad that you're here. <clears throat> so, there's only two chapters. What? Only two chapters left in our series in the book of Mark. Who would have thought last year, in the beginning of January in 2020, we would start from chapter 1, and here we are in 2021, a couple of weeks away from Easter, two chapters to go. Yeah. And we're... And of all the, the, the studies and the chapters that we've gone through from Mark and everything we've learned has been great and it's been important in understanding our faith in Christ and who Jesus is. I'm here to tell you though tonight in my personal opinion that these last two chapters, probably one of the most important chapters that we need to understand and recognize when it comes to the gospel message. See, in some religions, people have to do some type of good work to achieve eternal life. And for some, that, etern- that good work could mean sacrificing your own self or killing your own self to, to somehow earn a good reward with eternal life. But us as Christians, those who proclaim to be Christ followers, we aren't saved by our good works. Repeat that. As a Christian, we aren't saved by our good works, but we are saved by the good work of Jesus Christ. And that good work is His sacrifice of His life. See, over this last month or so, we've been looking at what would be considered the last week or the last 24 hours of Jesus' life on earth. You know, During His last Passover, Jesus established a new covenant by letting the disciples and us in this room know that He was the final Lamb. And when we take bread and the juice, we do it in remembrance of what Christ is about to do. And after the meal, he took the disciples out to the garden to pray. And last week, we saw Jesus be handed over to the religious leaders. So for the next two weeks, this week and next, we will be breaking down the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Tonight, we'll be looking at the final events that led Jesus to be nailed to the cross. And so if you have your Bibles or your Bibles app, I would like you to join me in Mark chapter 15 as we look at the first 32 verses. If you've been with us, you know that you've gotten one of these Bibles. I hope that you have that Bible. If you have it, can you raise your hand? We're going to be on page 557. For the new guys, Zane and Zeke, there are two Bibles in the back. I think they're they're left in blue, or unless you have your Bible app, that's fine. Um, Just to let you know, uh, the Bibles that we gave out are the same ones that I'm teaching from and any other teacher, so we can all be on the same page and everyone knows where we're at. So, we're going to be on Mark chapter 15, and for those who have the Bible, we're going to be on page 557. Mark chapter 15. Yes. Page 557. And we're going to look at the first 32 verses tonight. As soon as it was morning, having held a meeting with the elders, scribes, and the whole Sanhedrin, the chief priests tied Jesus up, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. So Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered him, You say so. 
The chief priests accused him of many things. Pilate questioned him again. Aren't you going to answer? Look how many things they are accusing you of. But Jesus still did not answer. And so Pilate was amazed. At the festival, Pilate used to release used to release for the people a prisoner whom they requested. There was one named Barabbas, who was in prison with rebels, who had committed murder during the rebellion. The crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do for them as what as was his custom. Pilate answered them, Do you want me to release the king of the Jews for you? For he knew it was because of the envy that the chief priests had handed him over. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd so that he would release Barabbas to them instead. Pilate asked them again, Then what do you want me to do with the one you call the king of the Jews? Again they shouted, Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Why? What has he done wrong? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him! Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. And after having Jesus flogged, he handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers led him away into the palace that is the governor's residence and called the whole company together. They dressed him in a purple robe, twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on him. And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! They were hitting him on the head with a stick and spitting on him. Getting on their knees, they were paying him homage. After they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple robe and put his clothes on him. They led him out to crucify him. They forced a man coming in from the country who was passing by to carry Jesus' cross. He was Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. They tried to give him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. Then they crucified him and divided his clothes, casting lots for them to decide what each would get. Now it was nine in the morning when they crucified him. Then the inscription of the charge written against him was, The King of the Jews. They crucified two criminals with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by were yelling insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, Ha! The one who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself by coming down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests with the scribes were mocking him among themselves and saying, He saved others, but he can't save himself. Let the Messiah, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross so that we may see and believe. Even those who were crucified with him taunted him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this evening, Lord. Thank you for every individual that is uh, here with us this evening, Lord God. And we thank you for the freedom to gather and the freedom to be able to hear and, and read your word tonight, Lord Jesus. Father God, as we prepare in these next two weeks um, to read about your crucifixion, Lord, I, I must confess that uh, I'll be uh, completely honest that there is emotion behind it. Because I see myself as those who who have rejected you before, Lord God. And yet, even in my own rejection to you before I knew you, you still loved me and you had grace and mercy enough to, to, 
Show me who You really are, Lord. And so I pray this evening for all of us in here, Lord God, that we have open hearts and ears that are willing to hear the truth of Your Word today, Lord God. And recognize that even if at times we have rejected You, if we've acted like any of those that we're going to read about here tonight, Lord God, that we know we can receive Your grace and Your love and mercy all because You gave Your life to save us. We praise You and we thank You in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Okay. So can anyone tell me a little bit of what we took away from last week or what we learned last week? Dante. Well, last week... Okay. Anyone? Can anyone remember? Tell me a little bit. Anthony. Uh, I think I think one of the most important things I got one of the things is like I just said like Jesus is God in flesh. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyone else? Vincent, you're like hesitant. You're not sure. Uh, uh, Peter denied Jesus three times, just like Jesus said. Mm-hmm. Travis. Mm-hmm. Anyone else? Yes. Amar, is that a hand up or you just okay? Any, anyone else? Anthony. If I'm correct, I don't think I did. <laughs> well, I didn't say this part. I think I remember the rest. But I remember, remember like, some of the difference between Peter and the same Judas, right? Mm-hmm. That Peter, like, when Peter, um, denied him, because Judas also was betrayed him, but Peter betrayed him, like, he felt sorry, like, he was repenting, right? Yes. He apologized, and Judas did not. So that's the difference. Right. Right. That's good. Awesome. Very good. So all that's correct. And, uh, you know, one of the things we learned as well last week is that all the chief priests and the religious leaders were making these false accusations towards Jesus and said that he was the sinner. But we actually concluded that everyone in that room except for Jesus was sinning. And so we read as well that the leaders... Uh, voted that Jesus would die, should die, and we are now at the point where, as we just read, that he is to head to Pilate, he's to go to Pilate, um, so Pilate and the Roman guards can do their dirty work for them. So in verse 3 of Mark, where we read in chapter 15, we read that the chief priests accused him of many things. You may be asking, well, what are those many things they accused him of? Turn with me to Luke chapter 23, verse 2. Uh, this is found on page 576, if you're following along in the Bibles that we gave you. So Luke chapter 23, verse 2, found on page 576. <clears throat> Chapter 23 of Luke, page 576, verse 2. Then they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation, opposing payment of taxes to Caesar, and saying that he himself is the Messiah, a king. And so, we see here that these accusations that are being made are false. Jesus never misled the nation. Instead, he encouraged them to turn back to God. He never opposed to paying taxes. 
Jesus himself actually paid taxes and said, if you guys remember, give to Caesars what is Caesars and to give to God what is God's. And finally, while Jesus did claim to be king, it's not the type of king many thought he claimed. He wasn't going after Caesar's earthly position because Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We read last week that Jesus said that He is I Am, which means that He has existed even before Caesar took power. And as we read this and as we read in Mark, it's not a secret that the chief priests have rejected Jesus to the point that they want Him dead. In the book of John, chapter 18, verse 31, you don't have to turn there, but you can write a note on it if you want to look at it later. John 18, 31, Pilate told them, you take him and judge him according to your law. But then they replied, it's not legal for us to put anyone to death, the Jews declared. And this is the Jewish leadership. And so, there, there's no secret that they want to kill Jesus. This isn't like, a, oh, let's keep this quiet. No, they want to see Jesus dead. But the question that ran through my mind, and maybe it's running through your mind tonight, is why did the chief priests and the religious leaders reject Jesus to the point they wanted Him killed? And the Scriptures tell us, and it points very very clearly, that the chief priests and the religious leaders were envy and jealous of who Christ was. See, if you joined us uh, when we started this study in Mark, and if you haven't, you can actually go online and listen to the whole thing from the beginning, or you can read all the chapters until we get to where we're going to next week. Uh, But from the beginning of Jesus' ministry, He drew a crowd of multitudes. From the very beginning, when we read chapters 1, 2, and 3, it says that Jesus drew a crowd. Jesus brought in multitudes. Everyone was hearing about Jesus. And this drove the religious leaders and the chief priests to be jealous. Because they were the guys in charge. They were the one that had the powers, and they saw their power and their leadership slipping out of their hands. That's why they questioned and asked where Jesus' authority came from. See, they were so blinded by their sin to be in control, to have power, to be the guy... But they missed the fact that God in flesh was here dwelling on the earth. Now, let's not get too hard on these guys. Look up here for a second. Don't get, let's not get too hard on these guys because we can do the same exact thing. When it comes to, to creation, we can be blinded. We blindly accept that it was just a, quote, cosmic accident. Anyone ever tell you that? Like, oh, creation of this was just a freak accident. No. When we want things and we want them now, we demand that we get them now. When we want to be the guy or the gal on our social media platforms and our schools and on our sports teams, we will say and do anything we can to, quote, get ahead, to be that cool guy or cool gal. See, it's easy for us in our sinful nature to worship what we create, position, power, Money, just like they were doing. Instead of worshiping the one who created all things, 
See, one of the things you need to recognize, and one of the things that we need to be careful of, that it's very easy for us to worship the things we create, worship our power, worship our status, worship how many likes we're getting on our social media platforms more than they worship than we worship God. I'll just be frank with you. If you're checking your Instagram or your TikTok or Snapchat and you're trying to see how many views or likes you're getting more than you're reading the Bible, something tells me you care more about your status than you care about worshiping God. So let's not get too hard on these guys. And so we see Jesus being, and, and we see this common thing, theme in Mark 15 that Jesus is going to be rejected by many. That's why we started with Isaiah uh, 53, 1 through 3, about him being rejected. That we rejected him. And so we see chief priests, leaders rejecting him. We now see Jesus being rejected by the government. Just a little history on what you need to know about Pilate. He was a Roman official from 26 to 36 A.D. All right, And it was his responsibility to keep everything, quote, in order where he was at. And if there was any rebellion against the Roman government, he was to squash it by having people flogged and crucified. We'll talk a little bit about flogging and, and crucifixion here in a little bit. Now Pilate is now face to face with Jesus and point blank asks him if he's a king. I like Jesus' response. It's very intriguing. He says, if you say so. Now it doesn't come across like that. If you read in the book of John, Jesus wants, you know, Pilate is asking him, listen, are you a king that is looking to overthrow the Roman government? Are you a king that has really started a rebellion? And Jesus responds in the book of John, chapter 18 and and chapter 19. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. And then he goes on to say, if my kingdom was of this world, he'd have an army ready to fight and everything, like, we'd be fighting right now. And so then Pilate continues to ask him, so you are a king? And then he says... You say that I'm a king, and then he goes on to say that he was born for this. And what he is saying, listen, I am a king, not the earthly king that you are saying, but I am the Messiah. And he's saying, I'm no threat to Rome. I'm not here to start a war or anything. I'm no threat to Rome. And we see that Pilate was amazed. So these people are accusing him. The chief priests and the leaders are accusing Jesus of all these things. Jesus answers Pilate's question, and as he's being accused, Jesus is being accused of all these things, he says nothing. That's one of the things that amazed Pilate. He's like, all these people are saying anything. Are you going to say something? Defend yourself? And as Isaiah prophesied that Jesus was like a silent lamb, being ready, getting ready to be slaughtered. And we read as well that Pilate finds no guilt in Jesus. No guilt. If you actually go through every gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they'll all say the same thing. In John specifically, four to five times, depending on how you read it and the translation is, Pilate says, I find this man innocent. No guilt. But if he found him innocent, why did he send him to the cross? Travis. Uh, 
then when will we be able to work with all the communities that they cost to get um, to get the share? Yes, you're absolutely right. Here, here's a point you can make on, on answering the question, why did Pilate send an innocent man to die on the cross? Because Pilate was more concerned about pleasing man than he was about pleasing God. Pilate was more concerned about pleasing man than pleasing God. See, as we read during the festival, we read that a crowd can choose to have a prisoner released. And the crowd chose Barabbas, who was an actual rebel, who is an actual threat to the Roman government. It was a murder, yes. And in Mark, the crowd demanded that Pilate crucify Jesus, and Pilate gave in. Ultimately, because in John chapter 19, they pretty much said, if you don't cave in, we're going to tell Caesar on you. Caesar, Remember Caesar? We talked a little bit about Caesar. Um, He was the Roman emperor, and they said, if you don't do this, we're telling Caesar on you. And so Pilate gives in to the crowd and cares more about his political position and sends Jesus to die. And here's the thing, the same thing with Pilate, who gave in to the crowd. Listen up here for a sec. We will have a choice daily. Every single day, we need to make a choice. Are we going to please man? Or are we going to please God? Are we going to please man? Or are we going to please God? Some of you, how, how many of you are back in school, like in person, back in school? Oh, you're Quincy, you're back in school? That's awesome, man. Wow, alright. <laughs> Listen, every day when you're in school, you need to make a choice. Am I going to please the crowd and the people I hang out with? Or am I going to please God? See, if you see a kid being bullied and or people are making fun of, do you step in and join the crowd because you want to be that cool guy and make sure you don't get picked on? Or are you going to be the person that steps in and says, mm, we're not doing that? When you're home, and maybe you don't necessarily agree with something that your mom and dad have laid down rules-wise. Bless you. Are you going to please God by being honoring and respectful to your parents? Or are you going to get on, I don't know if you guys use Twitter or not, but are you going to get on Twitter or Facebook, and say some nasty things about your parents and how it's unfair that the rules that they set in place. See, the rules that they put in place are to protect you guys. hope you know that. It's not because they don't want to see you have fun or anything like that. They set them in place to protect you. And so the question again remains, are we going to make decisions that please man, or are we going to make decisions that please God? And so Pilate orders Jesus to be flogged and carried away, and he's carried on a cross. So, i got a couple things up here I want to show you. Let's talk about flogging. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to get real too um, gross, but this is what you need to know. So, this is just a replication of one of the whips they would use to flog a person. You get hit with that? Yes. 
I'll, I'll pass it around, but here, here, listen, I'm going to pass it around. You can look at it, but please do not try to swing it. Alright? Yes. Because here's why. So you'll see, you'll see on the end of these, there are these pointy, like, things on them, right? They're like needles. So here's the point of what would happen. When they would flog someone, I'm not going to really whip it, but when they would flog someone and hit them in the back or in the side wherever, the point of these things were to scrape off the flesh. And this, listen, and this flogging wouldn't happen just once. It would go up to somewhere up to 39 to 49 times. Yes. And to the point that they would be bleeding pretty badly. Um, this, most of the skin would be torn off and you can get down to, not to be gross, but seeing the muscle of people and things like that. So it was a horrific thing. So when you hear, like sometimes people say, oh, Jesus was only flogged and whipped, no big deal. It was a pretty big deal. I don't want to get hit with that once. No. I And so, so they would flog a person, and then they would go off and be sent to be crucified. And so what crucifixion was, and ultimately the point, the reason that they did this, the Romans did this, it wasn't so much to kill the, the rebels and everything like that. Eventually it did. But the point was to make, if you rebel against us, this is what happens. And so their, their goal is to end all rebellion, which mostly, most of the time that's what happened. They would see their, their quote, superstar who would rebel, be on the cross and flog, and they'd be like, okay, we're not doing this anymore. One of the things you need to know about crucifixion is once they got to the place where they were being crucified in that, and I don't have three nails, but I've got two of them up here. They would take three nails, and this is a replica of it, not, you know. They would take three nails, two would go in the wrist, and then they'd have it in the feet, and one would go straight through the feet. Yes. He was nailed to the cross. Like the point of the nail, again, this is a replica, but the point of the nail was so sharp and thick that it would break through his feet and nail him to that piece of wood. They would, so what they would do, and I'm not, I can't really demonstrate it very well, what they would do, they would cross it, and they would hold his feet in place. So like it wasn't just one Roman soldier crucifying. It would, yeah. So it would, there would be like two or three, maybe four Roman, because here's the thing. One of the things you need to know, time out for a second. One of the things you need to know about this, most people, if they weren't hurt too badly by the flogging, which most people were, but some people, when they were on the cross, they would fight. Like, they would try to fight. So that's why you couldn't have one Roman soldier there. You had to have three or four to hold the person down. And then they would take the nail and the hammer, and then they would go... 
until it went through them and hit and nailed them to the wood. Yes, you can see it. No, I didn't get it off the black market. <laughs> it's just a replica. It's not the real one from. No. So, but listen, 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 listen. I'm just passing it around. If you want to listen, listen. Yes. So, we can look at what happened with Jesus in a similar way with the politics hardened and the politics of what goes on now are proving the fact that God is new to Yeah. He knew what was going on mm-hmm. with Jesus. And what I'm saying is that he knew that the Pharisees was lying and lying and Absolutely. No, agreed. Which which leads me to our third point. Let's talk about the crowd that that rejected. Yes, Travis, and then we have to continue on. Yes, and people watch this. Listen up, guys. Yeah, uh, yeah. Ultimately, that that's what God's sovereign plan was. Pilate, like Pilate, had a part to play. All right, and, and this whole plan of um, salvation and, and Pilate's part was that Jesus was going to be sent to the cross. So, Ryan, and then we have to move on. Do we know? Do we know if Pilate had like the same? We do not know. We so with history. So here's here's the thing about the history of Pilate. I was actually listening to uh, a two part series on Pontius Pilate and the history of who he is. And on one hand, outside of the biblical record, there's other Jewish historians who wrote things that have happened. And some take it that Pilate was this cruel, mean guy. Like he like he didn't. He pretty much didn't have compassion. He was just really mean and everything like that. But there's others that argue, like, no, while he was a tough leader, he was also just and fair. And so it's hard to say who the real pilot actually was at that point. Um, if I had to guess, I'm guessing he was a stern leader um, because he had to, in that time, under the Roman emperor, Caesar's the emperor, and he had all these governors like Pilate, if he didn't do his job, 
most of the time, Roman soldiers would lose their job by being killed. Because they didn't do their job correctly by keeping rebellion down and everything like that. Who? Caesar wasn't there at all. What I'm saying, so Caesar's the head honcho. Like he's, he's in charge of the whole Roman emperor. And then he has little leaders like Pilate himself, who's governor of one area. What happened, though, is because the people persuaded Pilate by saying, listen, if you don't crucify him, we're telling Caesar on you. Pilate knew, oh man, if they go back and tell Caesar, I'm going to lose my job. I'm probably going to get killed, and so is my family, because we didn't do our job right. And so that's why Pilate caved in and said, all right, send this man to die. Travis. Um, I guess he would have been one of those stern leaders, but also, I, if I imagined Pilate as a stern leader, I would have thought, even though he found Jesus innocent, mm-hmm. I think just he would have just went on and gone and just did it, not even mention, are you sure you want to crucify him? So I think it would yeah. be kind of in the middle. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he was unreasonable. I mean, obviously he, he was just, and he, he's literally pleading, and if you read cha- John chapter 18 and 19, who gives a different um, experience about it, as the, he's like, they literally flog Jesus, and he goes, behold the man. He's pretty much like, are you happy? Are you done? Can, can we let him go? He's an innocent man. And they say, crucify, crucify. And they're like, well, I don't understand. Why do you want to crucify him? And he said, he named himself God. And, and in our law, because he, is, he said he's God, he deserves death. And you can read this in all in chat, John 18 and 19. You guys can do that in small groups if you want. But one of the things, Pilate brings Jesus back in. Right? And they have a question. And Pilate literally asks him, pretty much paraphrasing, like, where are you from? Who are you? And then this is where everyone, you know, they're like, what, what happened here that made Pilate try harder? Because you'll read in John, Pilate tried even harder to make sure Jesus didn't die. Until they threw the, the trump card, I guess you could say, of saying, we're telling Caesar on you. And then he's like, fine. So. Whoa. Thanks. So, we see the re- religious leaders, the chief priests, cave in and reject Jesus. We see Pilate, eventually, who knows the truth, rejects the truth and sends him away. He's flogged and he'll be crucified. And we see the crowd reject Jesus as well. What's interesting about this crowd, remember when Quincy preached, this almost feels like a decade ago, but it was only a month and a half ago. A month and a half ago, but remember when Quincy preached about... um, Jesus coming into Jerusalem, and they're all shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. You remember? For those who were here, yes, no, are you all with me? Huh? Those same people who were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, are now the same people who are shouting, crucify Him, crucify Him, crucify Him. Great question. And the answer is, as we read in Mark and other places, that the crowd was persuaded by the chief priests. Tim, do you have your hand up? Yeah. Go ahead. Um, I feel like I need to say this. I feel like we need to be careful how much we get caught up in how, how the people, I want to say this carefully, how the people reacted and it was the people's responsibility because 
Jesus was the Son of God. He was the sacrificial lamb. He was the perfect, spotless lamb, right? So Jesus knew exactly what not to say, what to say. And I think if we rest too much on what Pilate did and the decisions he made, ultimately, if it's not for the sovereignty of God and his plan to save us from ourselves and our sin, then we don't have the sacrifice for sin. So ultimately, we need to be careful how much we put focus on man and what man did to put this in place with all underneath the sovereignty of God. And I agree with that, but my, my point of showing with this would be saying that man and our wickedness and our sins is very easy to reject. I'm just saying, I'm just pointing that out to the students to say, it's not, that's not coming up against what you're saying, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we need to look at, say, God accomplished this, right? It didn't matter if it was going to happen regardless. Whether, whether Pilate and, and God was in sovereign control of it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, prove that we were sinners, and that, and every single one of us. I was just reading in First Corinthians. Uh, I believe that, and it's in our hearts. Uh, in Matthew, Jesus talks about you know, in our hearts is sin. You know, it's it's not what we eat that what defiles us. It's what comes out of our heart that defiles us. So all of our sins and the things that we love, that's what defiles us. And so we see people joining in and mocking Jesus and when He's on the cross, including the two criminals that were crucified. And the crowd is trying to persuade you that Jesus isn't who He says He is. And you're going to have that same battle every single day today. You're going to have people try to persuade you that everything that we're reading, teaching about, is all fake. They're going to reject God. They're going to reject Christ. They're going to reject the fact that God came down in the flesh, in His sovereignty, in His perfectness, in His divinity, being both man and God, and laid down His life for us. So here's two points I just want us to take away before we close with worship and and go into small groups. Number one, if you're claiming to be a Christian, uh, be prepared that you will be rejected by worldviews. If you are proclaiming to be a Christian, be prepared that you'll be rejected by world views. Jesus himself said in John chapter 15, verses 18 to 25, If the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of it, the world hates you. Remember the word I spoke to you, a servant is no greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But they will do all these things to you on account of my name, because they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now they have no excuse for their sin. The one who hates me also hates my father. And if I had not done the works among them that no one else has done, they would not be guilty of sin. Now they have seen and hated both me and my father, but this happens happens so that the statement written in the law might be fulfilled. They hated me 
for no reason. And again, and the question is, are you going to choose to follow the world and the world's standards, or are you going to be stand strong? As Joshua says, be courageous. Don't be afraid. Be courageous in the book of Joshua and stand firm for the truth of what God's Word has to say. And the second thing is that God lo- God's love has the power to change a heart of rejection. Listen, I'm reading about how many people rejected in our sinful ways, and there are people here today that maybe in this room, or maybe you know people outside of this room who have rejected God, they don't want anything to do with God, their lifestyle doesn't live anything to please God, even though they proclaim to be a Christian. I want to let you know that God's grace, power, and mercy is still powerful enough to turn that rejection into someone who becomes a devoted Christian. You know, we read in Mark that the two crim- that two criminals were... Um, Taunting Jesus. But turn to Luke chapter 23, verse 39. I believe it's on 576. Luke 23, verse 39. It's actually on page 577. Page 577. Verse 39. Then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuking him, Don't you even fear God since you are undergoing the same punishment? We are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. I want to let you know, if you're in here today, or maybe, again, you know someone outside of this who... who rejects Christ, rejects everything that we talk about, I would encourage you to pray for that person or those people. Because if God can turn around this criminal's heart, if God can turn around your heart through the power of the Holy Spirit, which led you to repentance to living a Christian life, that same thing can happen to those individuals as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this evening, Lord. Thank you for every individual that is here in this room, Lord. Father, in our in our human nature, in our wickedness, you still had a sovereign plan from the beginning. To save us. And yes, we read about some of those that have rejected you, and maybe there's people even here today that have rejected you, but there are going to be people, and there are people here today, who no longer reject you, but serve you and glorify you, Lord God. All because of what you did on that cross. 
And next week we're going to look more as you're hanging there on the cross and really answer the question, what did you do? Father, for us that proclaim to be Christ followers, I pray that we never forget this. I also pray that if there's any points where we feel like people are rejecting us for our faith, I pray that we have the courage through the power of the Holy Spirit to stand firm, to stand strong, to be courageous in You. Father, we pray for those who maybe have loved ones, or maybe anyone in this room who, who only comes here because they're told to, and maybe they have no love for You, God, and maybe they, they reject You. I, I pray somehow through this message, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that You've just softened their heart to show them that You still love them and that You died for them so they can have eternal communion with You, Lord God. Father, as we go into this time of worship and get ready for our small groups, Lord, I pray that we come with open ears and open hearts and with questions and pray that our lives are changed, Lord. Not to boast about how great we are, but to boast how great you are. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.